Positive Birth Story podcast with me, Swedish midwife Walsa Holstein, have left the comfort zone in Stockholm and embarked on a fantastic road trip to the US to gather more birth stories from amazing women. But just like when we give birth, things don't always go as planned. And I forgot crucial parts of the podcast equipment in my New York hotel before driving many hours heading to Erie, Pennsylvania. I freaked out. But with self-love, acceptance, deep breathing and new microphones, it all turned out just the way it was supposed to. Good enough. Which in itself always is perfect. My brain is silently screaming to my body, come on baby, come on baby, come on baby, you can do this. And I reached down with my own two hands, which still amazes me, that I lifted him up and I announced, baby's here. <laughs> While you're all trying to decide what's going on with my birth, here's the baby. Oh my gosh, it was the best. I love it. It was the best. In this episode, we'll meet my dear friend Amy again. It's a story packed with female superpower. When Amy becomes pregnant for the third time, she finds out that she's now expecting identical twins. For this birth, she and her husband again plans for home birth, if all medical criteria for twin home birth are fulfilled. But nothing goes the way they have planned, when birth starts already in week 36, risking out a home birth due to babies being one week preterm. To have the birth that she wants, she needs to become a birth rebellion. This is a podcast with women for women. Hi again, Amy. Hi. <laughs> this is the second episode that you're in. In the previous episode, you talked about giving birth at home mm-hmm. to your first child. Mm-hmm. And in this episode, you're going to share the birth of your twin boys. Yes. So bring us back to when you found out that you expected twins. <laughs> it's always funny. I think any twin parent is a little shocked. <laughs> Even if you may, might be prepared for it, we were not prepared for twins. I mean, we didn't think it was going to happen. Um, I We went for baby number three and then had an early ultrasound with them and went in and the ultrasound tech very casually and very, very soon into the ultrasound, she says, well, I have some news. And right when she said that, it wasn't a, it wasn't an ominous statement, but she sounded, you know, like, oh gosh. And I just had a feeling then I thought, oh no, she's going to say it. She said, there's two babies in there. (laughs) And I was just, you know, in shock and amazement and then a little terrified. (laughs) Um, So, and my husband wasn't even at the appointment. He was getting ready for work. I took my daughter with me. And yeah, so we were pretty, pretty shocked and surprised. And, you know, then your mind is just running with, okay, how, how, how will all of it work out? (laughs) Um... But yeah, more I went the home. practical aspect of yes. having twins or two babies at the same time yeah. while you have two other small children. Right. I have our two older kids and okay, we thought we were going for three and now we've got three and four. Hey, at least she didn't say three babies in there because then I would have, I don't even know. Uh, mothers that have triplets or quads or more, I am in complete awe of their body's capabilities to do that because the twin pregnancy was really, really hard. It was just... It was normal, but it was hard. It was just so physically demanding. And maybe because it was my third pregnancy, you know. So 
each consecutive pregnancy, everything just expands sooner and it's just a little bit more, um, seems a little bit more amplified. Mm. But I was older too, you know, I, I was 38. So um, anyways, I go home and they print out the little ultrasound and there are two little beans because it was, we were early, we were only seven weeks and two little beans on there just labeled baby A, baby B. So I go home and my husband's brushing his teeth, getting ready for work. And I just hand him the, the ultrasound. And I said, well, we're seven weeks. We're due around this time. And um, I said, here's the picture. And he looks at it. And his first response was, why? <laughs> why? <laughs> I said, I don't know. I don't know. But apparently we're, we're meant to have twins right now. Oh, my gosh. So it was, it was funny. And then he's in shock. And he has to go to work taking care of patients. And he's like, all he's thinking about is twins, 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 twins. <laughs> So I had the heat of the summer going on too. I was exhausted, exhausted growing two babies, so tired. So I just let myself nap as much as I could. I still have the older two kids to, you know, take care of, but I have a lot of great help with family here and sitters that um, are available to help out. So I quickly realized how I needed to rely on our team of people to help me out, not just through having the, or, you know, once the twins were born, but during the pregnancy, I needed more help to entertain the big kids. I had to say no a lot. I could not do the walks to the park like I normally could. I couldn't. And I felt so badly for my older kids saying, I'm sorry, mommy can't do that. I just, I couldn't walk around as much. I was exhausted. Mm. And how was this mentally for you? Because in the previous episode that you're in, you told us about you being a uh former dancer having you know using your body as like an instrument yeah it was really hard but I felt like at this stage this moment that I was in with this twin pregnancy I'm like my job is to grow these babies and to not overexert myself to not go into early labor my job is to just keep taking it easy I continued with mindful movement you know I walked when I could but walking became too tiring I could tell it was too much I could feel it in my knees and my ankles and my low back Um, so I wasn't walking for exercise anymore, but I was really mindful because I knew that it's with the multiples, if you uh, overexertion, unfortunately can, you know, trigger preterm labor. And I was just so diligent about not overdoing it because I needed to keep those babies in there as long as possible. So, um, it was a challenge, but I saw that as my new mission and goal to, take care of my body as best I could to rest and nap. Resting is so important. I think we forget how important it is, especially mm. for a pregnant woman. It's not a luxury. Naps are, you know, keeping you healthy and strong and your baby healthy and strong. It is so important to, to rest. So are they identical twins or yes. are they from two eggs? Mm-hmm. So identical, identical twins. twins. They each had their own chorionic sac around the individual babies, one amniotic sac and one placenta. So they are identical boys. So so from having two low-risk pregnancies to now having a high-risk pregnancy. Right. So more checkups? We had more checkups, but we were still planning a home birth like we had with our older two. We had planned on a home birth. So our midwife, she had caught other sets of twins at home. So this wouldn't be her first set of twins for a home birth. She caught other sets of twins and she, you know, we continued to have our normal pregnancy. I did my best to take care of myself. And she said, as long as things continue to look, even though a twin pregnancy is considered high risk, everything else was checking out 
normally and, and beautifully. Um, the other extra that they would include for a twin home birth would be an extra midwife or assistant there. So there would be three midwives um, for all three of us <laughs> if we needed anything. Um, we also live very close to the hospital. We're about a five-minute drive from the hospital. So that was another factor that came into play with our decision um, to plan for a, another home birth. So I listened to a lot of um, twin home birth stories to just fill my head and my heart with this enc these encouraging words that, um, okay, other women have done it. I'm not going to be the first in history to have twins at home safely and in a healthy way. Um, but it's about having the right, and I keep saying smart and safe team, but that's what it is. It's not being oblivious to signs. It's being aware of signs and knowing when to make a call. If, if a hospital transfer is in order, then, and I, my husband and I fully trusted our team without a doubt. We really did. Um, so that helped us to come to the decision. My husband was certainly a little more nervous for this home birth plan, having twins and knowing that. There's a, there are more variables with this one, mm. but ultimately he trusted that, uh, he knew that I was on board and <laughs> I wanted it. So, um, so did you follow pregnancy through all time till full, full term or did you labor early? We, we labored one week early and that was what, um, that was the deciding factor to, to go into the hospital. So our goal for our home birth was 37 weeks for full term. 36 weeks is considered late preterm. That's what they label it here. Our midwife and I, as she trusts birth 100%, but she's also very smart and safe. She said, you know, 37 was our goal. I want to make sure we've got two strong babies in there that aren't going to need extra support once they're born. She can do some minimal support, some basics. And then if, if an ambulance needs to arrive and take baby to the hospital, um, she can, you know, do the basics to stabilize and help support baby, you know, up until that transfer. But at 36 weeks, you know, with two babies, mm. she said that was a little more risky. And how did it start this time? Once I got the big kids to bed, got everyone to bed, and it's funny, the moment I stopped uh, being busy with them, I came downstairs and I felt the contractions almost immediately. I come downstairs and st find stillness for a moment, you know, after the bedtime routine, and I feel it. And I think, oh, shoot, it's 36. I knew it was 36 weeks, and I had that goal of 37 mm. weeks. We can do it. We can do it 37 weeks, talking to the babies, all this positive positivity, intention setting, all of it, all the good vibes I could, 37 weeks. And then I feel it at 36 and I think, oh, shoot. And I know what it feels like. It's my third time around. So I tell my husband, we call the midwife, and she says, okay, I'll come over and, you know, check and we'll see. Maybe it's just a little preterm, labor, maybe things aren't yeah. really moving along. Mm. She comes and checks me and I'm at five centimeters. Mm. And she says, oh, Amy, you're at five centimeters and I think we should go into the hospital. And I said, okay. You know, we were all disappointed, but we were like all... five centimeters. It's a cause of celebration. Otherwise, yes, I know, it's like, right? oh, five I centimeters. Know. I'm like, not yet, babies, not yet. I so wanted, uh, I so wanted that 37 weeks. I wanted to be another positive home birth story with twins. Mm. I wanted to share that. Mm. I wanted to, like, break down the fear behind it and say, yeah, we did it. We did it, too. Like, we're amongst this other... I wanted it so badly, but... Plans and preparation have to lead to a bit of surrender in the unknown of birth. It just, it is what it is, you know? 
it will still be unknown with all of your planning and all of your yoga and meditating and intentions. It will be unknown. Mm. So we adjusted and we were all disappointed and a little bummed out, but we, we all completely trusted that this was the right call. So we go into the hospital. The drive into the hospital was really uncomfortable for me and every little bump I felt and my husband had the music on. I said, could you turn the music off, please? <laughs> so I knew. I was like, okay, we're in we're in active labor now. This is not just a precursor. This, this is active labor. So I'm like, all right, Amy, you can do this. You can have your mindful, peaceful birth in the hospital setting. It's okay. We can do this. Uh, clearly, I'm prepared for a vaginal delivery of these twins. I had planned it for home. So I am, my mindset is, I am going to vaginally deliver these twins in the hospital and I will create my peaceful setting. We arrive and check in. The first nurse that greets us um, does all the, you know, intake work and all that. And then they bring the ultrasound machine to check the position of the babies. Baby A is head down. That's baby closest to the cervix. Head down. That's That was my goal. That was a big, big goal for our home birth plan was that first baby being head down. If that first baby was breech, we would have had to talk about options and things and really feel if we were on board for a breech baby. But again, our our home birth midwife had caught breech babies before. So she has training in that and has an understanding of when to be hands-on, when to maybe offer a little guidance. Um, baby A was head down. I was like, yep, I, we did that. That was another like huge accomplishment for me to have that baby A head down, even though baby's going to do what they want. <laughs> baby B is breech hmm. in their ultrasound, and which we knew. We, we kind of knew that from all of our other previous ultrasounds. There's not much room for them to move around at this point. Pretty sure baby A was still going to be head down and B was going to be breech. Um, so she takes that information and then the first doctor comes to meet us and she very casually says, um, nice to meet you. Uh, we've got a breech baby B, so we'll just get you ready for the OR for a cesarean. And she says it so casually, like matter of fact. And I said, um, no, we have a baby A who's head down and no, (laughs) just no, I'm not walking back to the OR. I am so committed. Do you know my commitment to this birth? (laughs) You don't. So let me just tell you that, um, no, I'm not just walking back to a cesarean. I am so prepared for this and ready for, ready for the, the challenge in a way. And, um, so she was surprised that we were not up for that and that I was unfortunately, like pushing back, you know, and already creating a bit of tension. I said it, of course, I'm a nice person. I said it really nicely, <laughs> calmly. I wasn't being mean. I wasn't in an, in a really intense um, labor zone where I was, you know, snapping at anybody. Did it stress her? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So I'm refusing their initial. She's, she was like kind of unsure of how to handle this now because I don't know if maybe she's experienced it. Maybe it hasn't been in a while, but I don't think there are many women that that come in and just say flat out no to that. So she leaves. And I'm thinking in my head, if she's going to force me to go back and have a cesarean right now, I'm going back home. I'm sorry. I, I will not. I will not walk back to the OR. Did you tell your husband that? He's a doctor. Yeah. Also. yeah. Um, I don't think I actually said it my our midwife and I we talked about it afterwards and she said I was thinking the exact same thing Amy she's like exact on the exact same page never got to that point but that's what I was thinking in my head I'm like if this comes to a no I am taking you to the OR now um 
then I, I was going to leave and mm. take our team and we were going to birth at home and I was going to just, we were going to do our thing at home. That's Shh. a very brave thought, I yeah. think. Yeah. Yeah. But you were so convinced. That you was were my like, gut. Yeah. Everything about mm. me said mm. that I will not go back there. Everything about me. Not a single doubt in my mind. So I knew if I was going to make that decision, I would have no doubts about it. Um, she comes back in with a form and I was going to suggest it. Like, is there a paper I can sign saying that I'm refusing this suggestion of yours? So she ends up bringing it in and says, okay, I'm going to need you to sign this form saying that you're refusing, you know, cesarean. I said, great, great. Happy to sign it. <laughs> Do you have more papers? I yeah, can sign well, multiple papers. <laughs> I ended up signing more papers oh, you did. because I refused, um, continuous monitoring. They mm. want to put the belt mm. on for continuous monitoring of the babies. That was one that had always stuck with me that I know it can cause red flags that are not necessarily real red flags. So I refused continuous monitoring. And um, that was always something with our home birth plan. I'm like, of course, there's always a chance that we could end up in the hospital, even with our first two babies. And that was one that I was going to always insist on intermittent monitoring. So I signed the form for refusing continuous monitoring. They agreed to intermittent monitoring um, every 15 or 30 minutes or so. And, um, oh, they wanted me to labor in the OR, which I also... In the OR room? Yes. And I... What a terrible room to exactly. labor in if you're not exactly. having a C-section. Exactly. How can you get into like a comfortable space to let your body relax in the OR? I don't know. I said no to that. <laughs> Good so, for you. Good for you. Yeah. I, I said no. I, I kept saying, we have no emergency right now. No emergency. Can we just labor, please? I, I just had to keep saying, can I just want to labor. I just want to be able to labor. We have no, nothing is, nothing's going on. All these things that you're saying are what ifs. Well, this could go and this could go and we need to be aware of this and that. We had no emergency, so... But I, how was this? Because this sounds, for me, as a midwife, rather stressful for you. It sounds like it's hard for you to go into that zone of just being in labor. It was a lot of, like, I was taking care of business at the beginning. Mm. It wasn't... All of that didn't happen at once. It was, you know, it would gradually come and go as they're, they ended up taking us to... Um, the labor and delivery room, like a, a beautiful little laboring room. It's a newer hospital. The rooms were great. They had a beautiful birthing tub. And I knew I needed that tub. There's no tub in the OR. I needed that birthing tub. And our midwife, she kept complimenting me. She said, I'm so proud of you, Amy. You're really advocating for yourself. Because she said, Amy, I can't, I can't speak up here. You've got to, mm. you've got to be the one. I can't be speaking up for you. And I knew that. And I was ready, you know, I was ready for it. Um, and that's where informing yourself ahead of time on what your options are and what you have a say in is important. That's why I feel it's so important for women yeah, to, to know your rights. Yeah. Always yeah. to know your rights. Yeah. That I have a say in this. Hello. <laughs> it's my birth. It's, it's my body. My body and my birth. I have a say in this. I am not sure. I understand you are an expert in what you do. But birth is a natural thing. And if you're telling me that we have no emergency right now from your expert opinion, that we have no emergency, then I trust this process and I need to let this happen and you need to also. So it was all very cordial and I just confidently stood my ground. I never got heated. <laughs> Those moments never got heated. Um, and then finally, I think they got it. <laughs> we check in at night and the doctor that was on for overnight, um, 
said she was going to come in to do a cervical check every hour. And so I said, okay. And normally I would say, no, we don't need that. Um, I'll let you know when I'm feeling some, some stuff happening. But um, for positioning, I said, okay, I agreed to that. <laughs> so I said, okay, you can, uh, you can do that. She ended up actually, maybe something clicked for her. Maybe she just understood, okay, they really want to do this. She ended up just leaving, uh, not leaving us completely. The nurse was in the room keeping track of charts and, uh, you know, mm. heart rate and all of that throughout. She remained, you know, there with us. Um, but the doctor didn't come in every hour, like she said. She, I think, just recognized and just let us do her thing. She would check in with the nurse and say, I remember the nurse mentioning to me at one point. So, you know, the doctor just suggested, do you want something to help move things along? She said, but I kind of answered and said, no, I don't think she does. And so the nurse told me after, she's like, are you, are you doing okay? And I said, yep, thank you. I'm doing great. I'm doing great. It's just taking time. Birth takes time. <laughs> just taking some time. And again, I thought maybe this would go faster, and it didn't. We labored through the night. We did our usual labor techniques. and I love that you say our usual labor techniques from giving birth yeah. for the third time. Yeah. It's like, this is what I do. This yeah. is how I approach it. Yeah, exactly. And that was another thing I said. I am, This is not my first time around. I've had two babies. Mm. We've had two home births, which I think they knew. I don't know. Somehow it was checked in there. They heard that, you know, we had had home births before. So, yeah, like I've, I've got a handle on this. I've got an idea of what I need to do. I need to move my body. I need to be able to get up and move around. I was in and out of the shower. We were on the birth ball. I was leaning over the birth ball, doing my hip sways in the little tub, out of the tub. And um, Was it harder this time since you were so much bigger? Um, or not did really. Did the body help you now because you were in birth? Not necessarily, <laughs> yeah. It felt that felt pretty similar, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, I mean, awkward moving, but I was so used to awkwardly moving at that point of the pregnancy. <laughs> I've been doing it for so long. Um, so yeah, it felt it felt pretty similar, actually. Um, and I rested a lot. There was it felt like there were more pauses in between the contractions, mm. and maybe because I was in the hospital setting, you know, and not at home. But there were times where I was very tired, and I actually would doze off, just mini little mini mm. cat naps in between contractions, which helped. I needed that. It really helped. When do you know that it's time for you to give birth now? Um, well, that didn't happen yet, but a big shift in the team happens. Um, but I see that the sun's starting to come up, you know, and I'm looking at the time, trying not to look at the time, but I'm like, okay, I was hoping. <laughs> I was hoping things would be moving along a little bit. Looking at the clock, 7 a.m., and I'm just, I'm tired and a little defeated and, The, our midwife said, I was laying on the bed at that point, and she said, Aim, do you want to try getting into the tub again? You know, I was already in the tub a couple times. I said, sure, you know, let's do it. I'm laboring in the tub around 7.30. The new team comes in, and, like, it, now all of a sudden it feels bright. I don't know if someone opened the shades. They might not have, but everything feels bright. I'm now, I think, adrenaline is starting to kick in for me, not knowing I was almost to that stage. I didn't know yet now they want to be hands-on and start to gain some control over this situation for some unknown reason because again we still have no alert no emergencies happening everything's still going normal 
um, she says, okay, so we're going to have to get you ready. You're going to need to continue laboring in the OR now. You're going to have to move to the OR now. And um, Could I only- give you reason to this? No. It's no just reason. lack of knowledge and no. lack of confidence in birth then. Nothing. For- so they kind of commanded you to yeah. change? Yeah. Well, what happened to you in this situation? Oh, I'll tell you. <laughs> <laughs> she also says, and you, you're not allowed to have three people. So I had my husband and the two midwives. So the two came in with me, two of the close one, my, our home birth midwife and one of her assistants who she worked so closely with, who I had known from my second birth. She was there for the daughter, my, my daughter's birth um, at home. So I had the two midwives and my husband with me the whole night laboring in the room. Fantastic. Beautiful. Mm, I needed both of them. My husband was sleepy. He Mm. doesn't know how to guide me through. (laughs) He doesn't know how to support me like they do (laughs) through birth. Even though we did a great job of it, our very first birth together, still, I needed their female support, their knowledge and expertise Mm. of how to support a laboring woman. So she says, you're only allowed two people in the room with you, so someone has to leave. And I was just like, for no, again, no reason, no reason. So two like slaps to the face, basically, um, with the introduction of this new team. And I'm in the tub, and one of the greatest decisions was the fact that our midwife suggested me getting in the tub, and I was in the tub before they arrived and all this happened. Mm-hmm. So I almost had this little protective barrier around me in the tub. It was mm-hmm. like my little safe bubble. And what happened to the contractions? Because sometimes when you get really upset, contraction can slow down. Right. Because you get all the stress hormones going in the exactly. body. Exactly, I know. And stress hormones are not good together with oxytocin because exactly. it just presses down the oxytocin. So. Exactly, yes. Um I was still noticing contractions. They were still there. They didn't stop altogether. They might have slowed down a little bit. I don't know. Because (laughs) I would just put my head down in my arms. I had my arms um, draped over the edge of the tub. I was kind of on my knees. I'd put my head down and I would would be like, pause. You know, like I'd hold my finger up. (laughs) Excuse me while I move through another contraction here while you are all deciding on what needs to happen for some unknown reason. I put my head down and move through a contraction. And then come back <laughs> and deal with what I had to deal with. So kind of like you went into diva mode. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Truly, that's exactly what I did. So now uh, one of the doctors, there's a few doctors in the morning team, of course. One of the doctors comes in and I'm just in shock and thinking again in my head, I'm not, I'm not going to the OR right now. Okay. He stands there with his arms crossed and says, if baby B is breech, we you will be having um, a cesarean. You have no option for a vaginal breech baby B. And I said, because I had read and heard of so many twin birth stories where B is breech. And it's very common. Very common. And I had read so many where the women said, it was way easier than the first one. It just, Weez, baby it just B fell out. Just falls out, yeah. yeah. So much easier. So in my head, I'm like, if B is breech, that's, who cares? That's great. It's We're not going to have a problem here. I also had my midwife there next to me who has caught breech babies. And I swear to you, if that baby would have stayed breech, I would have kicked them out of the way and said, my midwife is catching. I don't care what the policy is. <laughs> She's going to catch this baby. That's what I had in my mind. And I put my head down again, probably moved through another contraction. And I said, well, I do not, I do not agree to this. Can you explain why? Like, why? Why? And... He, we we're all very calm. Like our team, my team, remained calmly in our responses. We, it never got heated. It never got angry. And he said, 
I feel that it is just as dangerous as a vaginal baby A, first baby, just as dangerous. And I'm just, we're just in disbelief. I just can't believe that that's actually true. In hindsight, I've processed this birth so much. I wish that he would have just said, I know how much you want to have this vaginal breech birth. I know. We all know. <laughs> we are well aware of how you want this so badly. I am simply not comfortable. I do not feel it's safe for me or anyone on my team to catch a breech baby B. We're not trained in it. It's not what we do at our hospital here. I can't. I can't support you how you need that support. Mm, that would have been so much more honest. How does that change the tone in the conversation? Mm. It was a tone of... I am the one that you listen to, and I am calling the shots. That's all I heard. It was fear coming out of them, power being forced on us and control. And they just want to take control of the situation. And I said, I just, I don't understand, and I don't agree. And I think I let myself cry in that moment there while he was still there. I don't remember it when I cried, but I knew that crying was going to help me release because mm. I know that that crying is a good release to help things moving along and I knew I needed to move this baby along so I put my head down again and I said well what if I just don't agree to this and he said then we'll have a court order forcing you basically we'll get a court order to have you have this cesarean and I just we are all we are all just completely in shock I said so you're telling me you're going to force me back to the OR against my will to have this surgery against my will. And he basically said, yes. I said, I have no choice in this. And he said, yes, you have no choice in this. So I'm lost. Still, thank goodness, protected by the tub, by the water in the tub. And my husband is now a little upset <laughs> and starts to talk to some of the team, some of the other physicians there. They're trying to convince him to help me agree to this and all of this. There are now people in the room buzzing about, a whole lot of noise and commotion. Like above, I can see you, you're, you're low down yeah. on the floor in the tub, and they're like above you. Yeah, Like the exactly. situation you don't want to have when you give birth. Yeah, like so much happening. Like people talking over your head. Yep. And the How fact, did you cope with that? Well, I was so, this is what I didn't realize, but I had moved through transition, and I was so close to having that first baby, mm. and I didn't know. Mm. And maybe I went through transition in the tub. I don't, I don't remember. I remember transition with the first two, my first two births. I don't remember specifically hitting it with the second one because of all this distraction started coming in. I'm still in the tub. Everyone's buzzing. It's just like, it's, that's like a blur almost, you know? It's like if you were in a movie and they zoom in and everything's blurring around and there's this commotion, but it's like muted. Like I didn't even hear it. It was muted. And I feel that urge to push. And in my head, I'm screaming, yes. <laughs> You're still in the tub. Still in the tub. My midwife is sitting right next to me on the edge of the tub. She's sitting there the whole time. She doesn't leave my side the whole time. My husband's talking with them. I give one my first push, and I feel my water break then. I feel the pop, which I was pretty fascinated to feel in the water, you know. So I feel my water break, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, yes, here we go. This is what I've been waiting for. Um, so I bear down. I have a little pause, you know, in between. And I bear down a second time, and my midwife notices me then, and she she whispers to me, Amy, are you breathing? She doesn't know that I'm pushing yet. She says, are you breathing? And I, through gritted teeth, I just go, I'm pushing. I just whisper, I'm pushing. And I'm like gritting I my this. teeth. You're like a birth rebel. I was like, no one is going to touch me right now. <laughs> 
So all she does is lay her hand on my shoulder and says, not a peep either. <laughs> because our, at this hospital, as in is the policy in many, many hospitals, I know at least in our area here, and I'm pretty sure across the country in the United States here, the tubs are for laboring and not birthing in. They don't allow you to birth in the tubs. At this point, I am so upset that they have thrown all of this at me for reasons that if they had a reason, they didn't explain it. If they had one saying, this is why we need you to move. It was never, ever explained to me. It was a matter of controlling the situation and them throwing fear into it. So I'm not getting out of the tub and I'm not saying anything to anybody except my midwife. <laughs> my husband doesn't even know I'm pushing. So two pushes come and go, and I'm like thinking in my head, my first two babies I pushed for over an hour. Uh, you know, my daughter was close to two hours, and I'm thinking in my head, this cannot be the case. I cannot push for two hours. They're going to they're gonna find out eventually. <laughs> i got to do it faster. Push. It has to be faster. It has to be. So push number three comes, and I'm like bearing down with all my might. I'm on my hands and knees. I'm probably gripping to the bar in the tub. There's a little bar in there. Gripping to that on my hands and knees. And then the nurse in the room notices, and she says, are you pushing? <laughs> and I nod my head. I couldn't even talk at that point. I feel the baby down there so low. I didn't feel the head yet, but I feel all that pressure, and I know it's right there. Um, it wasn't like the in and out that I could feel with my other two where a baby will come and go back. I couldn't feel that. It was just pressure, pressure down there. And she says, are you pushing? And I didn't nod my head. And she said, okay. Um, she's calmly about it. Oh, okay, we need to get you out of the water, onto the bed. Okay, we can, we'll get you out of the water. And I was like, I cannot move. I cannot move. And now everyone is aware that I'm pushing. And so my brain is silently screaming to my body, come on, baby, come on, baby, come on, baby, you can do this. And push number four. And he comes out. I feel him all in one go. It wasn't like just the head. And then the body, it was one push and I feel that little slithery body come out and it was the best feeling in the world. And I reached down with my own two hands, which still amazes me that I lifted him up. It was so awesome because my other two, I was, my hands were not available to in my, the position of my body I was standing. I didn't catch my babies. So this first little twin, I reached down and pull him out of the water in the most amazing moment. And I announced baby's here. <laughs> While you're all trying to decide what's going on with my birth, here's the baby. I'm giving birth. <laughs> oh my gosh, it was the best. Oh, I love it. It was the best. I lift him victory. out of the water. What a such victory. victory. And the fact that I was able to do that, the fact that I was able to do that was such it was just, it felt like everything to me in that moment to say, what an immense willpower. Please let me just do this. Just let me do this. And I did it and it was wonderful. So I bring him out of the water and then, it's <laughs> so funny, I hear walkie talkies or the phones or whatever, radios, baby in the tub, baby in the tub, baby in the tub, quick. Like it was like this. <laughs> urgent like babies are never born in tubs apparently but yes yes it's possible and it's great I'm sure there I don't know but I'm sure there are other sanitary reasons for it who knows but I was birthing my baby in that water no matter what that day So I hand the baby to them. They cut the cord. We didn't do any sort of delayed clamping because we got another twin. We got to figure this situation out. They helped me carefully get out of the tub. Umbilical cord hanging between my legs. Just crazy because um, there's still a baby in there and still a placenta in there. 
Um, I get to the bed. They do an ultrasound to check where baby B is, check heart tones. And now baby B has flipped transverse. Mm. So he's sidelining. Because of all the space that's the created space. after so the first baby breach, being born. Yeah. He didn't go down bum first. He's sideways. Mm. So I'm thinking, darn it, this is not good. I know that I cannot. I was going to birth a breech baby, but I know I cannot birth a transverse baby. So at that point, they were part of my team now. They finally were, say, were supporting me and helping me figure out how to get this baby to turn. I said, okay, what can we do? And they're like, let's try. I said, can I get on my hands and knees? Or can I prop up on my knees and just lean forward a little bit? I don't know. So I got up on my knees. They raised the back of the bed. I leaned my elbows over the bed and tried to like sway a little bit. Contractions slowed down for a moment, but then they came back fairly shortly after. I am visualizing this baby turning head down as much as my poor little brain can visualize it. I'm like, talking to baby B, just flip head down, flip head down so we can do this, please. But like I said, in my head, if he was breached, I was going to kick kick them out of the way and say, my mid- this baby's coming and my midwife's catching it. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm not going to sue you. I'm just, I just want to have my midwife catch this breech baby. So we do what we can. We check another ultrasound, still transverse. The doctor asks, now there are a couple, there are two doctors in and they're working with me. They're very respectful at this point, And I'm so grateful. It was never like, well, look, see what you did. Now this baby's transverse. Now what are we going to do? It was a team effort. And mm, I fantastic. felt, I knew they both had their own sacks around them though. So I said, don't break anything. I was like, so afraid. I'm like, do not break any sacks. <laughs> do not cut me. Don't do anything like that. And I was emphasizing at this point. I think I probably overemphasized, but they said, would you want us to try a version? I said, yes. I'm like, if this is what we have to do, yes. So I lay on the bed. They, the one doctor reaches in to try to gently turn baby. Of course they want to do it gently. They don't want to disrupt the placenta or anything. And contractions are kind of going on a little bit through that, but I was like this right now. Yes. If this will help potentially help, then yes. So they try the version, check another ultrasound, still transverse. And now, unfortunately, I'm feeling urges to push again. Mm. So you know the difference between the contractions and then the urges to push. I'm feeling my body want to bear down and try to birth this baby. And I know that it is not safe to force this little baby down while they're transverse. I don't want to injure him, of course. So I communicate to the team that, shoot, now I'm feeling urges to push. And um, I know that that's not good. So they look at me and they're like, Amy. (laughs) They say, Amy, I really think now it's time for a C-section, for a cesarean birth. And I look over at my other team, my midwife and my husband, and they're all like nodding their head, yes. I remember them nodding and I was like, Okay, yes, I know. Now is the time to make that call. Not when we walked into the hospital. Not when I was in the tub with no reason for this surgery. Now is the time to make the call. And now you could buy it because you had explored all the options. Yes, yes. And I felt, in that moment, I felt that they gave me the options. They gave me, I understood the reasons why. Mm. There was no reason why before. It was so important. Yeah, I understood the reasons why. So it was a communication. It wasn't a barking of orders. It was a respectful communication in that moment. So I say, okay. (laughs) But I never, ever imagined my fourth and final baby. We're not having any more babies. (laughs) My fourth and final baby. I agree to the cesarean because I knew I needed a little help. He needed help. We needed needed this medical help to, to birth our baby. So 
I agreed to it. And it was a calm process going to the OR. It wasn't an emergent situation. I'm doing my best to, again, hold back from contractions and not bear down, but to just kind of like... Breathe through. Breathe through it and let it be mm. more upper. Mm. It was very much more upper. And I wasn't going into the lower zone at all. I just did not want to go any, <clears throat> bring baby any further down. So keeping it as up as I can, they um, end up wheeling me down the hall. It was calm. Everything happened. It took a little time. Everything happened um, smoothly. I remember just closing my eyes and I think covering my eyes with my arm because everything just felt so bright out there. It was out of my little labor room. It felt bright. And um, they take me into the OR. They explain everyone there was very calm and respectful. They explained how the epidural would go. I leaned over, got the epidural, and then that's a crazy feeling, feeling your body go completely, your leg, your lower half, go completely limp and heavy. It's wild. And so I used my labor techniques of a focal point and my breath to kind of calm me through. I remember looking at a little screw in the ceiling. They laid me down and I just had to, it was so hard, but I had to come to that place of acceptance, you know, for this unknown part of our journey. It was it was hard. It was really hard. <laughs> I'm like getting feeling yeah, emotional about it now because it was, you know, not, not the plan and not what I wanted. It was against, it was just the opposite of what I wanted. But I had to find that bit of acceptance mm. and I had to trust in our journey. I s- had to surrender. Like, I can't, or I um, meditated on that a lot. I trust, um, I trust in my journey. I trust where I'm meant to be, that I will be, and it's going to be okay. So I had to trust in this moment that this is where I was meant to be. It was going to be okay. And there was nothing that failed about it. I did all I did all that I could. <laughs> you know, I did all that I could. And thankfully, we have those medical, um, uh, those medical techniques and experience and knowledge for when the time comes, when the mama and baby need mm-hmm. that help and support. And we were able to use that at the right time. So I had a whole lot of acceptance for our journey as I'm staring at this little screw and trying to just breathe and trust that baby's going to be fine. And yeah, they put the little screen up and, oh, they laid my first baby, baby A, who's named George. They laid him right by my head. So that was super sweet. They had him all bundled and he wasn't crying. He was just laying there, a little sweet baby, waiting for his brother. brother. They're an hour apart. They were born about an hour apart waiting for his brother and just right by my head. And my husband was right there too, of course. And um, they put the screen up, took a little longer than I thought for the surgery. I could feel the tugging. Thankfully, I didn't feel any pain. Thankfully, the epidural worked. I've heard of, you know, other experiences where they feel a little bit more, but I just felt the normal tugging took a little longer than I expected it to. But finally, they bring out baby and they lower this part of the screen that covers it. It's still clear and they bring the baby up and I'm like, Wow. And she says, I th- I'm still staring at the screw. I'm not looking at anything because I, I just couldn't. I mean, the screen is there, but still, I didn't want to even look in that direction. I'm staring at the screw, breathing. And she says, um, do you want to give your little baby, your boy a kiss? And I'm like, uh, okay, sure. It was so strange. So she has him on one side of the screen and I, you know, come through and kiss the other side of the screen. And there he was. And then they took him to make, you know, check, do all the checks. And, um, he was great also really great. Um, the first baby um, was five pounds, 15 ounces. So I was like, all right, good solid baby. Um, the second baby was six, eight. So I was really proud of that. Six pounds, eight ounces. So I was like, okay, we, I grew some really healthy, strong babies. I did that too, because that did. was a huge goal of mine too. 
ready a week early and thankfully needed no other assistance um, <laughs> except our, our cesarean birth. But that was the story <laughs> of the twins. And it's funny, people will ask, well, oh my gosh, they can't believe that I had two types of birth. And they say, oh, too bad you had to go through the first and then have to go through the second. I'm like, I would go through the first 10 times over versus recovery from the cesarean. My recoveries from my vaginal deliveries were, for my experience, so much better than my cesarean recovery. I said, oh, I wouldn't have changed a single thing. I, <laughs> I would not have changed a single thing walking into the hospital. I had to have that first baby myself. I had to. And it was the best. It was the best moment. So I've had two home births, one water birth and one cesarean. <laughs> so it kind of covered... Um, a good amount of the, a good amount of the spectrum there. I love it. This is what we talked about the first time we met when we had finished a yoga class, and you told me your birth stories. Yeah, and it's like um, I love that you were so brave and mm -hmm. so rebellious, and so this is my experience too. That if you have prepared and know your options, even though it might not go the way that you have opted for, yeah. it can still be a really positive experience mm -hmm. if you feel listened to and respected and like yeah. part of the decision making right. like you were in the end. Yeah. It's, you know, and you, you buy into it. It's like, okay, this was not what I wanted. This wasn't mm -hmm. on my wish list, but this is the way it is. Yeah. And I'm going to be fine with it. And mm -hmm. I'm going to see the positive aspects of it. That was a huge realization in me trusting my voice and my oh. confidence in myself. So that is a big takeaway that I, I have taken from our twin birth experience is that if I believe in something and have, you know, like you said, done my research mm. and believe in this, then standing up for myself. That was the most I've ever advocated for myself in my entire life. And in that very vulnerable situation so that it vulnerable. is when you give birth, because yeah. we're, we're super strong and super sensitive and vulnerable at the same yes, time. Exactly. Anything, like anything can, you know, throw things off in a way. And I just, ha it was like, that was my mission to just stay on that course. It's so powerful because it is, it is about trusting yourself. Yeah. Because the body will tell you And your core feeling will tell you if you really tune into that. Right. Mm -hmm. Because you know, as a woman, you know. Right. And I, I wish for my medical colleagues to start listening to women mm -hmm. and what women tell them during birth, yeah. because the woman knows. Yeah, it's just this innate wisdom that is buried deep down that we don't know is there. And it just rises to the surface in birth. There's a superpower. And yeah. it's like, that's why it's so important that we share these kind of stories. Right. Because we kind of forget that we have that superpower. Yeah. And we never or very seldom tap into it. Right. So, uh, yeah. Thank you, Amy, thank from you. the bottom of my heart <laughs> and from the bottom of my uterus. Yes. Like <laughs> my most sacred place yeah. for sharing this extraordinary story oh, and you. uh, your uh, bravery and courage. Thank you. I'm thrilled for the opportunity to, to share it on your podcast. And I hope that other mamas are just inspired and empowered to, to really tune in and trust themselves more because they are wise and smart and stronger than they ever could ever imagine. <laughs>
Try to surround yourself with people that you love and that you know will support you in your wish on how you want to give birth. For me as a Swedish midwife, this seems to be especially important in the US, where from my point of view, birth is not looked upon as a normal and healthy process, and way too many interventions are done. If you want to read more about me and this mission of mine to let positive stories about birth come to life, go to the positivebirthstorypodcast.com to be sure that you don't miss an episode, do subscribe. And if you want to know more about Amy, check out exercisingbalance.com. Bye for now. Thank you.